golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. I turn on the lights. I love it late. Because I love it. We love it. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, your host, Holly G, as we are on the eve of the Open Championship or the British Open, if you prefer. Carnoustie, Scotland, where it's been hot and dry and the balls have been flying far and it is going to be a quite a test over the next four days. Jordan Spieth, of course, the defending champion after an amazing finish last year, if you remember those last nine holes. Uh, probably some of the best golf I've ever seen. And uh, that infamous 13 that turned into lucky 13 for Jordan as he was on his way to win the Claret Jug. Uh, Also, quick uh, hats off to Laura Davies for winning the inaugural U.S. Senior Women's Open, as well as V.J. Singh topping Jeff Maggard to win in a playoff at the Constellation Senior Players Championship. We've got a great lineup tonight. We've got uh, two live interviews coming to you from Scotland And a whole lot of Open Championship golf to talk about tonight. And we're not going to waste any time. We're going to start right off with our favorite golf insider from ESPN.com. Calling in from Scotland, Bob Herrick. Hi, Bob. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Um, I was just saying that uh, the weather looks absolutely uh, beautiful in Scotland. They've been talking about how it's been this hot, warm summer. And um, I've heard, you know, the fact that the players are saying the course is baked out, it's crispy, uh, it's extreme. Tell, tell us a little bit about what you're seeing, Bob. Well, you're right about the weather. I mean, it's, um, you know, they've had basically weeks on end of uh, – of of dry and warm conditions. I mean, kind of unlike what they're used to here. I mean, they you might you might have some nice days, but typically you get a you get a lot of rain too. And they haven't really had that. And all the golf courses are brown. You know, uh, of course, brown is beautiful, right? And uh, uh, that's what you're going to see at Carnoustie over the next four days. The the fairways uh, are just baked out, and the the ball is running forever. And it means for some interesting strategy um, decisions for these guys uh, over the next few days. Yeah, I've heard uh, uh, several of the players in catching some of the press conferences talking about how uh, you better be ready to 
be have a flexible strategy that it's going to really require uh, watching how the course changes day to day. In fact, some of the players even saying, you know, watching what some of the other players are doing and, and how the conditions change around the golf course. Yeah, I think the interesting thing is, unlike the past uh, Opens at, at Carnoustie, the last two anyway, the rough is really not anywhere near as bad as, uh, as it, you might expect. Uh, I mean, the ball's playable out of the rough. Now, that doesn't mean you want to be playing from it. Um, but you can get your, your club on the ball out of the rough, and, and it leads to the, the notion that maybe some guys can, uh, can try on their drivers over the, over the bunkers. And uh, even if they go in the rough, you know, they're going to have a short hand. I mean, that's why there's this sense that there could be some really good scoring. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, you stray too far off. Uh, uh, you, you, do, you do run the risk of getting into some trouble. Uh, there, there are numerous bunkers. Even if you if, if you miss the first set, maybe you hit it so far that you go into the second. And uh, you know, one hundred and twelve bunkers to be exact, Bob. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, the, the the thing is, it's it's so hard to know how far the ball's going to roll. You know, um, you know, you're, you're routinely seeing balls roll forty, fifty, sixty, seventy yards, and uh, so it's. Uh, it's going to be a lot different than we're used to seeing at home, and, and even even different by open standards. Uh, you know, certainly that's the part of the game in, in, in Lynx golf is is the running of the ball and controlling it. But I think it's it's you know kind of on steroids here this week. So DJ and Brooks, I was reading a little bit about you know Brooks from his press conference, and you know he said he's saying a lot of things like he did at Shinnecock and. I think he's got to be one of my my uh, my inside picks at the moment. He just seems to really love Lynx golf. Of course, you know he played the Challenge Tour and the European Tour, but his attitude. He says you know, you've got to be a dis- you've got to be disciplined. He says he you know he plays more conservatively, and he seems even though he's you know everybody thinks he's he's got this bomber you know golf game. He's he's actually you know he says I'm a good putter. I'm creative. Uh, you know, it's interesting to listen to his approach. Yeah, and he's improved his short game a lot. Um, you know, he put a lot of time and effort into that. And he, um, he uh, uh, and, and I think it's the reason why we've seen him win two U.S. Opens. I mean, it wasn't all about his length. It was saving pars. It was hitting great pitch shots and getting up and down from around greens. And, uh, you know, he's um, he's really gotten better at that. He's... He's had a couple of high finishes at the Open. I mean, he, he wasn't really in contention on the back nine last year, but, he, you know, he had a top ten. And, uh, uh, you know, he seems to have, have done, you know, done well on these types of layouts. And I like him, too. In fact, I picked him um, just because, obviously, he's playing well. And, you know, I, let's be honest, I think we all under, underplayed his win at Aaron Hills last year. Uh, you know, it, he didn't get the credit maybe he deserved for that because there was so much chatter about the golf course. To win at Shinnecock as he did and and to, uh, you know, to, to put up some of the results that he has after missing a lot of time due to a wrist injury uh, has been really impressive, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him up there. We're talking to Bob Herrig from ESPN Live from Carnoustie 
in Scotland. Uh, the other thing I like about Brooks is he's got a little bit of that Tiger attitude, Bob. He says, I'm focused on winning and that he's tired of finishing second, that he's got you know too many seconds in his career. And I, I like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the, the thing that's sort of missing now is, you know, he's won two majors. Why has he not won more tournaments overall? You know, and you know, obviously uh, uh, maybe that's a little unfair, but, uh, you know, he's uh, – he, it's it's a it's a fair point, you know. How has he not won more, given the kind of game that he has? And I think he's, you know, he's, he's got plenty of motivation still, just because just for that reason. Uh, and I think that's a good uh, that should be scary for the rest of the guys because certainly there's no, uh, uh, you know, there's no guarantees that, uh, that they're going to be able to beat him. And- Whoop! We may have lost Bob. Um, we'll wait to see if he if he comes back. But um, what we were uh, talking about is the fact that I think Brooks Kepka has been a little underrated, and um, uh, he he knows it that um, he maybe hasn't gotten quite the respect that uh, he he should. And I think maybe sometimes these guys, once they win a major, they get over you know they get over that hump. And I have a feeling for Brooks, we're going to see him win a lot more tournaments in the future. Uh, We've got a lot more golf talk coming up. Stay with us. The Golf Insiders will be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's We're back, the Golf Insiders. In the house, Holly G, as we are on the eve, or almost the morning of, the Open Championship, the third major of the year. And uh, we're going to check in now with one of our Golf Insiders, Jeff Shane from Pro Golf Weekly and PGATour.com, to get his take on what's about to unfold at Carnoustie. Hello, Jeff. How are you doing? Are you the type that's going to stay up late tonight to catch the start of the Open, or are you just going to get up really early in the morning? 1.30 a.m. I'm going to be there, glued, ready to watch the first (laughs) T-ball fly. (laughs) Hey, I remember, Jeff, I remember last year that um, there was a certain guy who was uh, sort of the the main event because the, the Open was held in his hometown, and somebody we got to watch almost win the U.S. Open at Shinnecock, Tommy Fleetwood uh, coming in, probably feeling pretty good on the European side of, uh, of things for the British Open. Yeah, he, he's uh, showing that he can show up on a major stage more often uh, than not. Uh, you know, after uh, putting that 63 together at Shinnecock, uh, you know, just about a month ago, and I don't know if uh, if this was on your radar, but do you realize that he's the course record holder uh, in, under tournament conditions at Carnoustie? He shot 63 at the Dunhill Links a few years ago. Wow. Well, I think um, he's he's hot. There are just so many players coming into this tournament that are playing so well. 
somebody, I think it was Roy, said, you know, there are 156 guys in the field and over half of them could walk away with the clip. Yeah, they absolutely could. I, I And I think this is maybe the, the most wide-open field. It seems like I say it a lot, but I, I think that this is a very wide-open field, partially because of the conditions, but also right now there's just nobody that is head and shoulders above everybody else. Probably one of the most amazing back nines uh, in, in, in golf. Um, you know, that with his finish last year, took some time off, three weeks off, and now looking like he's in pretty good form, rested. What are your thoughts on Jordan? I, I, I still wonder, you know, where he is. I, this, as far as his putting, he's been such a good putter for the first, what, five years of his career, and you look at his putting stats, and not only has he had a bad year putting, it has been – unbelievably bad he ranks in he ranks 175th out of 201 in that strokes gained putting category and i think that's just contributed to all of it he's gone now six consecutive starts without a top 20 finish and that's the most ineffective stretch he's ever had in his professional career now, can he turn it around at a place like this? Maybe so, because the greens are not going to be as tricky as you would find at a lot of major championship venues. But I wonder where his confidence is. Um, in in terms of confidence, you would think going over there uh, and kind of you know pulling on that mojo from last year, you got how much this tournament meant to him when he was describing how he had to give the claret jug back. And it was funny because I think um, he had asked one of the other players, I, I think maybe it was um, uh, Justin Leonard, maybe. It maybe it was Padraig. And he said, oh, yeah. you just, you know, I just kind of showed up and somebody <laughs> grabbed it from me in the parking lot. And <laughs> as it turned out now, they, you know, do a, a ceremony on Monday and, um, you know, he, he said it was really kind of emotional for him. I think, I, I think that everybody that has to give uh, one of those trophies back, and, and I, I've heard it from other guys with the Claret Jug, is just, do I really have to give this back? It's been so much fun to have. And, uh, yeah, it tugs at you a little bit. Um, you know, the only thing you can do is go out and win it again, and we'll see what he does. Now, there's, you know, all kinds of talk about uh, the players having to hit irons off the tees. Um, I think somebody asked DJ that he had to hit, a, I think, a four iron on, on one of the, on the par four or something, you know, off the tee. And, you know, there's this ongoing debate, right, about, you know, is that really yeah. golf? Um, you know, does, does a, you know, Lynx course, of course, with, with this particular one playing a little bit you know shorter than than some of the other courses but yet they call it the beast the toughest course in the rotation your thoughts i think it i think it is it is because you take a look at at the different ways this course is set up and even just in in the last three modern opens so to speak in 2007 it played long and wet and even though the winning score was seven under, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, the winning score was seven under, 
both Padraig Harrington and Sergio Garcia stumbled through 18, and that's how they wound up in that playoff. And, and then, of course, you go back to 99 and Vandeveld's follies and, and the comeback by Paul Laurie, and, and, and that was the diabolical setup. That was where the superintendent kind of channeled his inner, you know, Machiavellian tendencies and, and, and decided he was going to set up the hardest golf course in the face of the earth. And, 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 and so the two kind of different conditions there, and now we've got a third different condition with the fast and furious, maybe not so much rough, but you've got to control your distance. Otherwise, you're, you may have a shot that, get, that runs way too far, but way beyond what you thought it was going to be. There's a bunker you weren't expecting, a burn you weren't expecting, and, and so I think this, this is going to be a very strategic tournament because what may work for one guy, you know, the, the guy next to you in your playing group may not work for you. And, yeah, four iron may be Dustin Johnson's choice, uh, while Brooks Kepka might say, you know what, I'm going to hit driver, I'm going to blow it past all of the bunkers, and if it winds up in the rough, the rough ain't so bad this year. Well, and I've heard some of the players called the bunkers, of which there are 112, which is always, you know, a lot of the fun of watching the Open Championship <laughs> because you watch guys hit them out sideways, you watch them hit them out backwards. But really, somebody described them as they are truly mini hazards that if you end up in there, you're going to cost yourself a stroke. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I mean, that's the way it is, you know, on Lynx Golf in general. But uh, I'm kind of... The vibe I get with Carnoustie, and of course I don't know all 112 bunkers all that great, but I don't think you can get to the green from any fairway bunker uh, on the golf course. It is going to be a full shot penalty, and in all of your strategizing, you got to figure out how to get it between and around or over, or you, you can't get in those things. Um, what do you think? about tiger uh is this going to be a good opportunity for tiger uh he said you know that links courses are really for field players and lag putters because a lot of times you know you can't hit it very close to the pins uh the distance becomes a moot point your thoughts well and yeah and i i tend to agree and i and i think what we may have forgotten about Tiger at the height of his powers, you know, we all remember, you know, his great putting and, and, and the way he can hit the stinger and all of that, but he is one of the better strategists in the game. And, you know, exhibit A is Hoylake 12 years ago when it was the same fast baked out conditions and he hit the driver once the entire 72 holes, uh, managed to work it around the bunkers and, and won, you know, with, with reasonable comfort. So we know that he can figure out how to get around the golf course. Now the question is, does he have the physical ability in this comeback to be able to do that for four consecutive days? I won't rule Tiger out, but we, we both know that he's got a lot of great talent he's going to have to move past to win the Claret Jug. What do you think it's going to take for Tiger? I was... I was reading some of the notes from his press conference. He was explaining how, you know, his game is coming along, and we keep forgetting that it's only been a certain amount of time 
you know, yeah. that he's been been back, but that he's been tweaking different parts of his game. He's learned a lot since Augusta, uh, changed the putter, that, you know, he's he's still, you know, he's still come a long way. And what's it, what's it, what's it going to take, do you think? I think it's going to take two things. I think it's going to take a week where it actually all does come together. You know, when he was hitting it well, the putting was a little off. That's you know, kind of the late spring, early summer tiger. Before that, you know, the the putting was really good, and and he would, you know, just he he would have that two or three bad drives, uh, that or 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 awkward drives that that put him in a bad position. Of course, we remember what happened at 16 at Bay Hill when he had a chance. We didn't know at that point that Rory was going to run away with it, but he had a chance at that point. He's got to find that week where it all comes together, and then I think the second part of that is he can't get in his own way, and that sounds really weird when you're talking about Tiger Woods, but we may be getting to a point where Tiger wants it maybe almost too much because we're all talking about it. He wants that 80th win, no matter what it is. You know, a 15th major would be great, but uh, he, he's got to be able to let it happen and not force it to happen. Well, Jeff, uh, we're only about six hours away till the opening <laughs> tee-off. So uh, with so many players, possibilities, I'm not even going to ask you to pick one tonight. But we thank you always. Jeff Shane, check out his blog at thegolfinsiders.com. You're listening to Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. More golf talk and open championship coming up next. We're back. The Golf Insiders in the house. Holly G on the eve of the 147th Open Championship. And my next guest, he is a special friend. And he's been working one long day in Scotland and still giving us a few minutes tonight on the Golf Insiders. It's late over there. Jaime Diaz from the Golf Channel. Great to connect with you. Absolutely, Holly. No problem. Nice to be with you. So give us your take on today, um, the press conferences, and um, any, any new news for our listeners as we get ready to, in less than seven hours, uh, see the first tee balls fly at the Open Championship. Well, I'm guessing your listeners have a pretty good idea of the themes at Carnoustie. Uh, you know, the main one is how the course is going to play. It's a very, very dry golf course uh, with really, really fast fairways and kind of wispy rough, which means that the guys who can carry bunkers uh, probably have the percentages in their favor if they go ahead and hit driver and get as close to the green as they can, even if it ends up in the rough, because the rough with a wedge is not that scary. And it sort of skewed the odds, so to speak, towards the longer hitters. Um, John Rahm, guys like that, Rory McIlroy, Dustin, they've all said they're going to hit drivers, even though it probably will end up rolling into the rough because they feel like with a wedge they won't make bogey and they may make some birdies. So, you know, the projected score is, some. I think, the over-under on, on the, in the betting parlors is 13 under par which is pretty darn low. It's certainly a lot lower than Carnoustie's ever used to, uh, six over one in, in 99, for example. But um, I think we're looking at a, a, a kind of an explosive tournament with a lot of birdies, uh, probably not a lot of, uh, you know, disasters in the rough, so to speak, where uh, guys get caught in there and can't get out. The rough seems pretty manageable most places. 
Of course, the burn runs all through Carnoustie. There's water more so than on most Lynx courses, so there are numbers there, especially at the finish on 17 and 18. But I think we're looking at a not very difficult golf course, ironically at probably the hardest site traditionally for the, uh, for the Open Championship. And then as far as other things, there were a lot of interviews. I, I won't take all this time. To, you can ask me away, but um, Rory was interesting today, and, and the RNA kind of was interesting too in terms of uh, this driver testing they're doing. Yeah, the driver testing, very interesting. Uh, I guess it turned out nobody was uh, given a red flag. That's correct. You know, I just think the fact they did it, and I don't think they really wanted to get out there. Actually, uh, Tim Rosefort with Golf Channel was, was tipped off that there was this driver testing going on. So it became public, and once they were sort of confronted with it today at the uh, press conference, they, they kind of had to say, well, you know, yes, we do it. Uh, uh, regularly to to make sure that people are in conformance, but to do it, you know, sort of uh, under the radar at a time when the USGA and the RNA are undergoing uh, undertaking this three-year distance uh, study, and the fact that the numbers were a little elevated earlier this year when they were announced shows, I think, that there's at least symbolically some some real concern, even though the USGA and the RNA aren't quite ready to do anything in terms of uh, regulating distance. Uh, they are at least showing that they're looking at the causes of uh, why the ball keeps going farther, whether it's the equipment, whether it's the athlete, whether it's the ball itself, whether it's agronomy. These golf courses are getting shortened quite a bit. And, you know, this week it's going to be down to the agronomy, but I think we saw last week at the web.com that, if I'm not mistaken, Cameron, um, oh gosh, now I've lost his last name, uh, Help me out there. Who won? Uh, Cameron Champ. Champ. He's got yeah. a great last name. Yes. You know, averaged over 390 yards. Averaged over 390 yards per drive. It was at elevation, but it's just you know it's incredible what the uh, what the young guys can hit the ball now. And uh, this is, I think, what the RNA and the USGA are concerned about long term. Uh, Rory was interesting because he kind of was conceding that, you know, uh, while he got a real hot streak in his career from 2011 to 2014, and and won four majors. Uh, he hasn't since then, and I think he's sort of saying, you know, it's. It, it, I guess it was not that he was bragging about it, but a lot of people were projecting that he was going to win a lot of majors, and he's saying it's it's harder than it looks. And uh, going forward, you know, he'd be happy uh, with you know a few more, but not on the scale that perhaps it was being projected. Sort of a you know fairly or unfairly a, a Tiger Woods sort of uh, uh, you know impact, and and so. Um, I think we look at Rory differently, perhaps, than he did two or three or four years ago, and maybe he looks at himself differently, too. Yeah, he, he talked, to again, about, you know, what, that spirit he had, that a little bit more of that, you know, happy-go-luckiness. Of course, you know, when you're 18, hey, you've got the whole world ahead of you. But, uh, you know, kind of tapping, tapping into that um, as he's, you know, playing this, this open what were your thoughts on I thought he was very reflective. He was reflective and almost nostalgic for a simpler time. And uh, I think, you know, for certain personalities, having a lot of expectations and ha- I say having a lot of expectations thrust upon you and wanting to, you know, succeed for uh, the reasons that, uh, you know, your, your country and, and all the people who are your fans want you to succeed for. I think for some it's a it's a 
it's always a burden, but it's a bigger burden for others, uh, for some up more than others. And I think for, for Rory, it is difficult. Uh, you know, he, he's not as, you know, sort of focused and, uh, I guess, you know, aggressively competitive like Tiger was. And, you know, he's, he's more of a, he plays by inspiration. He loves the game. He, he, you know, he plays, uh, he's got a great gift of a golf swing and, he plays best when he's loose and, and free, and, and he was when he was younger. But with all, as life co- gets complicated and as, as you get thrust into the number one position in the world and, and people expect a lot of you, it gets harder to, to, be, to have that feeling. And so if he can regain it and it helps him, great. But I think, you know, what he's learned is life, you know, adds more responsibility as you get older. And, uh, of course, he's married now and he's, he's got other priorities perhaps away from golf that might free him up a little but. I think he's looking for that simpler approach, that simpler time if he can recapture it. I don't know. It, it's, I think it just kind of comes with the territory. You either accept that burden and go forward, or you know, you just kind of back off and don't give it the same, the same sense of destiny that he may have had at one time. We are talking a lot about you know the twenty-somethings and that you know the group of guys in that class of two thousand eleven uh, who are just you know not only good friends but just, you know, have so many wins so early on here amongst them. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, uh, Ricky Fowler, you know, listening to him at Shinnecock and, and, you know, the time he spent over there, I thought he might play a little bit better. Uh, do you see Ricky as somebody really that, you know, needs that breakthrough major? What's your thought? Well, he's capable. I, I think what he did at the Masters was really impressive, especially birding the 72nd hole. You know, Patrick Reed brought it home, but but Ricky was doing everything he could, and that's exactly what it takes on Sundays. You know, you can't go backwards. You gotta you gotta keep pushing forwards and gain ground on the field. Ricky's been in position before. Uh, he's had some good majors. Obviously, he's had several top fives, but he he hasn't been the dominant guy on Sunday. And it's a lot to ask, but that's what it takes to win majors. And you know, this whole emphasis on majors, it, it's it's I think I won't say it's unfair, but it's there's only four a year. So to keep, you know, saying, gee, you haven't won a major, you haven't won a major, well, you know, he's 29 years old, or 28, and, and you know, it's not, uh, he hasn't had that, really that many opportunities, frankly. I mean, in terms of um, a career-long, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, a career-long quest for majors. So I just feel like he's still, you know, he's still young enough to keep growing as a player. And I think one of the nice things about Rory, excuse me, Ricky is that he has continued to improve uh, just about every aspect. Uh, he's a better player than he was. He may not be quite as aggressive and, and maybe sometimes doesn't make quite as many birdies, but he makes fewer bogeys and double bogeys, which was always sort of the thing that held him back. So his game is more and more built for majors. And, you know, I think it'll happen, but who knows? I, I, I think that's the thing. People say, oh, that guy will win a major and this guy will win a major. Well, there aren't just that, there just aren't that many majors to go around. But he certainly played well in the British Open, the Open Championship before he finished second to Rory in 2014. This is a, you know, he's, if he hits driver, he's long enough to carry bunkers, and, and I think that's what it's going to take. I think it'll be, it'll, it's skewing toward a power player. And Ricky has become more of a control player as he's gotten better, but he still has power in there, and maybe he can blend that, those two skills and, and just have a great week, and it's possible, and I, I would put him among the top ten favorites, but not the favorite. Well, now it's time for me to ask you that question before we let you go. Jaime, who is your pick to raise the claret jug on Sunday? 
Well, you know, gosh, it's such a crapshoot, of course. But I kind of, I kind of like John Rahm. I just think that he, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's played in 50 professional tournaments in his since turning pro, and he's finished in the top five in 20 of them. He's got an incredible success rate. He's had a hard time in majors, mostly because of his temperament. He, he you know, he, he burns very hot. He's very motivated. He's very fiery, and you know, he kind of redlines so far in majors. However. Played very well at the Masters again, like Ricky. Finished really well, shot 65 on the last day, and I just think once it clicks in, once he figures out what it, that that right mindset for majors, he's got so much game. And I, I think at Carnoustie, he is a very good driver of the ball. Besides being long, he's got pretty good control with with a lot of length. And I think that's what it's going to take. You know, carrying bunkers at Carnoustie, not going too far into the rough. Actually putting it in the fairway while hitting it 400 yards, which you're going to hear about 400-yard drives this week, uh, and having wedges to the green, that's how you're going to make some birdies. And I think he's as capable as anyone, probably more except for maybe Dustin Johnson, but he's a better putter than Dustin Johnson. And, and I just think it's kind of Rom's time. I, I think he's maturing towards something special. He's going to be a special player, and, and I think uh, a major is, is going to be in his future soon. And I think this is a good week for it. It's Rom's time. I like the sound of that. Well, Jaime, it's your time to go to bed. It's almost midnight. We appreciate you calling in live from Scotland. And we'll be watching you and all the team from the Golf Channel for the next four days. All the wall-to-wall terrific coverage. Thank you so much. Jaime Diaz from the Golf Channel. Thanks, Holly. I appreciate it. Take care. Now we're going to bring in Jeff Babineau, one of our longtime, longtime golf insiders, and someone who's covered the Open Championship for many years. Babs, what was your take on Jaime's pick there? I like it. I, I think John Rahm has to kind of reel in his emotions a little at the majors. Uh, he's volatile. You know, I, I think we saw Justin Thomas that way early on, and he kind of tamed it and, and kind of helped him a lot, led him to a championship at the PGA. And I think Rob's in a similar position where his, his emotions get out of control and it doesn't always help him. So uh, I, I, I certainly agree with Jaime that he's a special player and has a special future, but I don't know if he's there uh, to win a major like this quite yet. So on the European side, uh, continuing in that thought process, uh, Henrik Stenson normally might be on our radar, but he injured, was it his shoulder? banging into a door or something and had to withdraw yeah. last week. Yeah, I think it was an elbow or something. He banged into a door cleaning his garage. What's, <laughs> what's Henrik Stenson doing cleaning his garage? I don't clean my garage. Well, that's a, a little bit of an unfortunate incident the week before the Open. Um, who else is on your radar in terms of the internationals and, and the Europeans? Well, I mean, you have Justin Rose because uh, he's in such great form. He's got kind of a mysterious uh, open record. He, he had that great finish as an amateur at Burkdale at 17 years old. He holds a shot on 18. He ties for fourth, turns pro. Uh, subsequently, he misses his first 21 cuts as a pro. But obviously, he got that all figured out, and he's become a major player. But he just doesn't have a very good record in his home open. But But his form is so good, I certainly have an eye on him. Uh, I like the way Tommy Fleetwood continues to progress. You know, he had a great show at Shinnecock. I think there's a lot of pressure on him last year competing so close to home. Maybe this year that loosens up a little bit. Uh, he's a guy to watch. And 
And then, you know, I think this the Open Championship lends itself to the veteran types, you know. So there's always an older guy in the mix. So maybe right. you're going to get a, a Lee Westwood or a Paul Casey in there, you know, as one of these seasoned 40-something guys who pops in there and stays on the board into Sunday. Well, it wasn't, you know, too long ago that Ernie won, Ernie Els. Uh, yeah, Ernie, I mean, you had a run. You had Henrik and Ernie and uh, Phil and Darren Clark this, just since 2011. Uh, I've all won open championships in their 40s. I think even Bernhard Munger might feel competitive out there this week. Well, yeah, I mean, and and the place is so firm and fast, he's not at a huge length disadvantage. So, yeah, it comes down to, to metal and and what he has inside. And Bernhard Munger's got a lot inside. You can bet he, he's going to bed, putting his head on a pillow. Uh, I'm sure he's been on a pillow for a while and thinking of, of big things for this week because he knows it's something that's possible. Now, Phil uh, had to kind of face the music with the with the European press last week at the Scottish Open. Uh, he's been a little bit uh, quiet the past few days with, uh, you know, the uh, uh, in the practice rounds. And uh, what do you think about Phil coming in here? You think he's put the, you know, the blinders on and going to see what, uh, you know, how things, how he plays? Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, certainly he's got a great short game. And if he's hitting driver, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys play this golf course. You know, there's a lot of talk that the rough isn't so so thick, and it's going to basically allow them to kind of hit drivers and, and cover a lot of these fairway bunkers that a lot of times you play short of at Carnoustie. You know, a guy like Phil, he it might let him hit more irons. That's going to help Phil or Tiger or guys who don't have the best driving accuracy. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting just the strategy uh, I think going in, we, we think this is going to play so easy because it's kind of playing short. And, and you wait. I mean, Carnoustie always steps up there and, and stands tall as one of the tougher links. And uh, even though it looks like it's going to be a little little more lenient heading in this year, I'm so curious to see how it really plays. Wasn't it rumored that Padraig, who, of course, was the past champion in 2007, uh, hit it into the burn? 400 yards off yeah. the tee on 18? Is that true? Right. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, that's something they were hitting long irons into in 99. Uh, yeah, he drove it into the burn, 450-some-odd yards. Uh, that's, how, that's how much the golf ball is going. I mean, if you're, if you're driving a golf ball 300 yards, you're, you can easily get 100 yards of run out on it. Uh, so it's crazy. We're going to be talking about some crazy lengths there this week. But it's still uh, – still a tough length. It's an awfully tough finish, one of the toughest major finishes. And if you need to make for it that last hole to win the Open Championship, good luck because you're really going to earn it. I think somebody asked Brooks Kepka what was faster, the, the fairways at Carnoustie or the greens at Shinnecock? Yeah. And I think he yeah, said Shinnecock by a smidge. Maybe, maybe by a smidge. I mean, they're fast. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's interesting to see, you know, usually Scottish summer, Right, we we get everything over there. We've had, I remember at Troon, you got a taste of every season in four days uh, when Henrik and Phil went at it, and and this year it just seems like it's going to be hot. It's baked out. Uh, the winds aren't going to really kick up big until Sunday, which will make things interesting. But it's going to be different. It's uh, for a really tough links. I think these guys are going to get it at a time when it's probably as as easy as as it's going to play. What about pin locations? How do they protect the course in terms of the pin locations? 
Well, I mean, in a case like this where the ball's going so far and guys don't have to lay up short of bunkers, if the wind doesn't blow, there's only so much protecting you can do. And these are the best players in the world. It's like St. Andrews. I mean, if you're over there on an open day and the wind isn't blowing, you almost feel for the golf course because you know there is no defense out there. So you have to have some wind for defense. I mean, certainly there are there, – these are, you know, uh, decent-sized greens, and you can put holes in some interesting locations. But, I mean, over there, the, it's not – you know, it's not crazy undulations you might see over here at a you know, U.S. Open or PGA course or you see Augusta. So, uh, I don't think putting uh, – I think it kind of brings the field a little more together as far as quality in the putting. We're talking with Jeff Babineau, formerly with Golf Week, now writing for the Morning Read, among a number of publications. Anybody flying under the radar, Babs? <laughs> I think in the last few days I've heard Golf Channel make the case for about 50 guys to win. Uh, so I don't think a lot of guys are flying under the radar. I, one guy, maybe, I think is Brooks Kepka. I mean, it's, it's hard to think a guy who owns a major this year could be anywhere under the radar. He's the number four player in the world, but nobody talked about him going into Shinnecock, going into Thursday, even though he was defending the U.S. Open. And no one's talking a whole lot about him this week, I don't think. And and uh, I think he gets kind of forgotten in the mix of Justin Thomas and Dustin and Spieth and Ricky and all these young American guys. And He's a great player, and he has, a, he has an unbelievable major championship record going. Uh, in his last 10 starts or so. So he's a guy to watch. He's been top 10 in the last two Opens that he's teed up in, and and I think he's my pick to win it. So that's your pick. Guess what, Babs? My pick, too. I I think he's going to go back-to-back, and it's going to be really exciting to watch these guys. It's going to be an amazing four days at Carnoustie, and at uh, 1.30 a.m., you can (laughs) tune in and, and watch the action begin. Thank Last you. Call as, golf. That's right. Thank you, Bab, so much. The Golf Insiders. You got it. it. Enjoy the Open Championship. We got a tea time. We love you. Bye bye.